Welcome back to the Global Gamers Podcast. Yeah, good to be back. Good to be back. And today we're going to do one of our more uh, casual discussion episodes. You know, trying to break up the review, you know. Yeah, switch things up a little bit. Yeah, the review pipeline. um, And make sure that we, uh, as we mentioned last week, don't do two back-to-back nature-themed games. So (laughs) this is how we're going to help deal with that issue. Yes. Um, So today we are going to be talking about something that might be useful for people looking to enter this hobby. And that is going to be how we personally find new games. Yes. And we've kind of talked about two different ways of approaching that question. Yes. So I think basically how we've broken it down is where we find out about new games and then where we actually buy them. I'll ask you the first question. So how do you, Ryan, in this day and age, find out about new board games? So I think the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, just something as simple as like going to your local board game store. Like, and not only seeing what they have in the shelf, but talking to the, some of the people that work there. Like, yeah. these are people that have just encyclopedic knowledge of games and, like... And passion as well. And passion like. for it as well, yeah. And, I mean, it can be something as simple as, like, saying, oh, I've recently gotten into area control games and I've played, you know scythe or i've right. played onk like what would you recommend yeah or even just if you're totally new, you're like, yeah, I, yeah i remember i used to play risk when i was growing up and i really liked that what would you recommend and then maybe they would lead you on to trying something like scythe or onk yeah yeah, yeah. um i mean we have already mentioned on past episodes so our local store in dc labyrinth games and puzzles yes. um i mean I love going there the same way that I love going to bookstores. And even if I'm just browsing again, just like you talk to the staff and they're super knowledgeable. And also like sometimes customers will say stuff as well. Like I'll be looking at a shelf and I'll pick up something and someone will say, yeah, that one's really good. Yeah. Or I've done that. Like they've definitely been, I remember one time fairly recently there was this group of, I guess there was a group of guys our, our age and they were looking around and they were holding like this giant box. I think it was Twilight Imperium. Ah, it's a huge game. One of those things that takes one, yeah. a whole day. And they were looking at Wingspan and they were all just like, I don't get it. I don't get the hype that everyone has for this game. It just, I mean, it's about birds. That seems really boring to me. I, I don't care about the theme. And I just kind of turned and I said, honestly, I, I like, didn't really care about the theme way back when before i ever played it and the first time i played it i was like oh it's about birds okay that's that's not what i would expect and now it's like on my list of favorite games so yeah you know maybe well i mean yeah it just goes to show that like theme is one part of the equation but it's not the be all and end all necessarily yeah yeah and then i mean also i don't know if you'd really find this in some like big online stores or even like target or stuff but one of the advantages of a local store as well is again just like bookstores sometimes there's like you know little labels of staff recommendations Uh, yeah or you know a shelf where they have new releases things like that oh yeah which is very helpful as well Um, oh yeah definitely yeah the other thing i will say about labyrinth and you know i think a lot of like 
local independent game stores do this, but just hosting game nights where, you know, whether it's review copies or what it is, they'll have open copies of games and you can go with friends and play. Yeah, it's a good way to try something out that yeah. maybe you have, like, you just get thrown into it with a random group of people or right. something that you've been wanting to try, but weren't sure that you wanted to necessarily buy it for whatever reason yet. It's a good way right. to try it out. And I mean, that kind of goes into, so you were telling me that you were recently um, in New York City and you yes. went to a board game cafe. Yes. And that's another really good way similarly to like try out games without actually having to commit to buying them and like keeping them on your shelf and having them take up physical space. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I was in, I was in New York this past weekend and we were hanging out in East village and came across um, this place called the uncommons and it bills itself as Manhattan's first board game cafe yeah, those they, are awesome. And oh, more, yeah. There are like a few of them that are like popping up now in yeah. cities, and I would love to just see more of them because I oh, think it's yeah. a great way to have structured playtime for adults. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I'm sure that they get many a college student that's looking to like get in a couple hours of a study break because they're, they're like just a hop, skip, and a jump away from the NYU campus. Yeah. And yeah, they've got a whole shelf of... There's dozens and dozens of different games. That might be a good way to check out um, new games. Oh, no doubt. And so, yeah, as far as cost goes for this particular one, I don't, I've only been to a couple of these places, so I yeah. don't know what's typical, but this particular one, it was $10 a person for a three hour slot. That's and great. then, um, yeah. And peak times, I think you couldn't do more than three hours, but... I mean, for most a, games, that's, an, that's more than enough. That's yeah. probably all you want to do anyway. It's not yeah, like... exactly. You're sitting in your house and want to get cozy for, you know, an epic <laughs> yeah. evening of gaming like that. Yeah, and they've got they've yeah. got coffee. They also sell a lot of games there. So, yeah. if, you know, you, you do come across something that you're interested in and want to support a local business, there's yeah. always that option, too. I think also in talking about um, physical locations, um, I think it kind of also one element of this that I think is interesting to discuss is like how my strategy, I guess you'd call it, for finding new games has changed over time. Yeah. So I think back to like when I first was getting interested in this hobby and, you know, I probably had like one or two sh um, games on my shelf. Yeah. And I would go into a store like Labyrinth and just feel completely overwhelmed and shocked that this like that so many games could even exist yeah like how and why and i would just there were times when i would just pick something up because it looked cool i didn't know anything about it and i didn't know that like board game geek was a thing where you could go and look things up and see how people rate it and what people discuss about it yeah um yeah, they were like, but it's kind of hit or miss though. Like, I definitely had times doing that kind of blind, oh, this looks cool strategy where um, I picked up games that were just eh, mediocre and I ended up probably, you know, selling them eventually or giving them away. But there were also times that I found things that I don't think I would have ever picked up otherwise. So like a good example of that is um, I have a game, Carnival of Monsters, yeah. that I picked up. I actually, it was like Christmas time, 2019 and i actually went to buy gifts for other people 
and while I was there, I saw this game, and it just looked cool, and I bought it. Was this at Labyrinth? Yeah, at Labyrinth, yeah. and it just turned out that like that became the game that I played hundreds of times with one of our friends during the early days of the pandemic because we lived in the same building, so yep. we were kind of in our own little bubble. And it's a game that if you just looked on BGG, it's like, oh, it has a 7.3, and it's like, I don't even think it's in the top 1,000. And it's very similar to, like, Seven Wonders and It's a Wonderful World. It's a card drafting game. Yeah. And if I had been looking for that kind of game and did a ton of research, I probably would have ended up with Seven Wonders. Right. And this just goes to show, like, sometimes you can be surprised and yeah. make unconventional choices just by browsing the old-fashioned way. Yeah. No, yeah. definitely. Well, and it, it just goes to show, too, that, like, there are multiple ways to introduce variety into your gaming shelf. Like switching up the theme helps like switching up the mechanics. Like you could have two games with the same theme. The mechanics are very different and they just feel like a very different experience or vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Like seven wonders, which is like ancient history versus carnival of monsters, which is, you know, hunting down like elemental beasts. Yeah. (laughs) Elemental beasts. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I don't... Do you have anything else to say about physical stores? The the only thing I'll say about physical stores yet is that... I mean, w- we've had this experience with Labyrinth. Is they, they do their annual, like, buyback and sale. Yeah. Where you can, like, you know, trade in stuff for things that j- you just maybe aren't playing that much anymore. And, right. you know, get some store credit and, like... yeah. You know, and you'd be surprised yeah. what um, other people will sell. Yeah. Um. So I kind of regret this, but last time they did it, I went and I went so early, and there were people lined up around the block, and they kind of have it organized where you walk through kind of single file, and there's no going back. Like you pick things up as you go, and then cash out and leave, just to kind of manage the crowds. Right. And they had a copy of, um. Civilization A New Dawn, the board game, which is like based on the Civilization um, video games, which I love. And, you know, I I don't own like a Civilization building game. A lot of them are like, they tend to be very long and you have to like handle a lot of little pieces, which is kind of a barrier to entry. But this one, it's, I mean, it's not like amazingly rated, but it retails at 55 and they were selling, someone had like a new copy they were selling. It was in perfect condition. It was $10. Whoa. And I picked it up. And I was thinking about grabbing it, and then I put it back down. And then yeah. it was gone when I went back to, like, do another cycle through. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I picked up Everdell that someone had um, was selling used, which now, in retrospect, they were probably selling it because they were going to get the complete collection. And I got it. I played it a, a couple times. And then that led me to be like, oh, I really like this game. I've been meaning to try it. Yes. And I then, you know went in for the complete collection. So again, like getting games used secondhand at a minimal price could be a good way as well to just try things out. And it's pretty low commitment if you decide you don't want to keep it or give it away or sell it at another time. Yeah. Well, it makes sense because like you can buy games for cheaper and it also gives you an avenue to offload a game if, you know, either when you bought or, you know, new or secondhand. Mm -hmm. I have one more labyrinth anecdote. Yeah, go so, for it. <laughs> this is actually a personal, like, important one. Yeah. Um, it actually kind of led to great things for both of us because one time, this is um, Memorial Day weekend, 2021, they were doing, like, a spring cleaning clearance sale. 
And what they were doing was that if you spent $50, they had a table outside and you could grab any one thing from that table for free. And I saw they had posted a picture of the table on their social media and it had all sorts of great stuff. They had like small world and stuff they were giving away for free. That's But wild. I had plans like earlier in the day with some friends. So I couldn't get down there until like five and they were closing at six. So by the time I got down there, I went to buy, I think I actually maybe went to buy the Wingspan expansions. I think that's what I bought. Uh-huh. But then what it led to was when I went to the table of free stuff, they had like some packs of Yu-Gi-Oh cards some like silly party game thing. I don't remember what it was. And then this little game in a box with aliens on it called Circadian's First Light. Oh, yeah. I had never heard of this game. I forgot you got that for and free. I was like, well, you know, in terms of just value for money, if I picked up one of these things free, that's probably the best thing. Picked it up, played it the next day with two of our friends. We had never played anything like it in our lives. But we all really enjoyed it, and that was my introduction to Garfield games. Yeah. And then since then, I was like, I looked up what else they do, and I was like, oh, wait, this is kind of like a spin-off, like, off-the-beaten-path pro- um, product for them, and their main games are huge. And then that right. got me into looking at Raiders of the North Sea, Architects of the West Kingdom, etc., etc. Yeah. And Who's now those, are, like, those are all, like, <laughs> among my favorite games, yeah. Yeah. And then, like, I think, I don't know if you knew about them before that, but I think I kind of introduced them to you that way as well. Well, yes, because I think my introduction to Garfield games, I think I played Raiders of the North Sea with you before I played anything else. Right. But I didn't have Raiders until right. long after I, I had Circadian's First Light. Yeah. So, yeah. Just yeah. goes to show. You never know. You're good on rabbit holes. You do. And um, a lot of times they, they pay off in unexpected ways. Yeah. That kind of transitions into like the next part of this, which is, I guess, how you find out about games online, because with right. the Garfield example, for example, um, one thing I figured out quickly was like, oh, game publishers are actually something that's relevant to follow. Like, they're not published randomly a lot of times. Like, sometimes certain publishers have a niche, and you can rely on them to produce, you know, a certain type of game, whether yes. it's you know, the theme or the complexity or the component quality. And that, like, since then, I think that has been really important for me. And I know it has been for you as well. Yeah. No, it definitely has. And I think there are, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different spots online that you can get plugged into to, like, keep tabs on what's going on in terms of board games. Yeah. Like, just one example that... I mean, there's podcasts hey. like this one, of course. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the one and only way to get in, right? Just yeah, don't yeah. even continue. This <laughs> yeah. is all you need. This is the only one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, but also like a lot of the, you know, board game podcasters that, you know, I admire that got me even more excited about the hobby than I already was uh, also have YouTube channels. Yeah. So I'm thinking of a couple that come to mind are Dice Tower by Tom Vassell. Yeah, I mean, everybody kind of knows Dice Tower. They're kind of yeah. like the the biggest. Yeah, I don't want to say the oldest, but like they've been around a they, long time. Yes. Like, have a little bit more of like a establishment feel in terms of how they review things. Like, yes, you even see on game boxes, some of them have that like Dice Tower stamp of approval. That's kind of yes. like it's not like an award, but it's kind of like a certificate of 
legitimacy. Yes. That you're getting a certain level of quality. For sure. Um, another one that I really like is uh, Shut Up and Sit Down. Uh, yeah. And they just, you know, they're, they're, they do a podcast. Their YouTube channel, though, also is just a lot of fun. Like, they're very whimsical and jokey about, you know, the, you know, the hooks that they use to, like, you know, grab your interest about the games that they're reviewing. But, like, that humor is blended with, like, a very deep, rich understanding of, like, the different types of games out there. And they they don't pull any punches with the reviews. Like, they're, you know, from what I've seen, pretty judicious in handing out their, like, recommended buys. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have a few as well that I can think of that I also really like to look at um one thing that is a little bit difficult sometimes with um the dice tower stuff is that sometimes their content is a little bit long yeah so if you're not willing to like commit to all that time um you know it's not always the most accessible and i think um shut up and sit down their stuff is like way more you know i guess it has more personality to it and that they try to inject like it's very much infotainment. Almost, yeah. yeah, and like there's almost like a role playing element to some of their content that's really nice. Um just quickly, I'm gonna list a couple of the others that I really like, um, that I actually have subscribed to on YouTube. So Before You Play is good. Um Quackalope mm-hmm. also does like some playthroughs and has like some crossovers. Uh Foster the Meeple. They're, it's, they're like a couple, so they play a lot of two-player games, especially. Um, Thinker Themer, which, as the name suggests, like they have a really good dynamic going on where like one of them focuses a lot on like the theme of games and one focuses on like the mechanics. So it's a yeah. good balance. Yeah. Um, Board Game Dave yeah. tends to play like a lot of, uh, I guess, not like necessarily lighter weight games, but also some of the games we like, like the Garfield games. Oh, and yeah. I think also a lot of solo games if that's your thing um and he's also been a big fan of this podcast and has reached out to us on social media so maybe well, he's listening he, he's also he's also pretty pretty active on instagram like i feel like he's very frequently posting stories yes. about recent games he's played. Um, and then one more that i really like i think they i think do the best reviews is board game hangover okay and i don't remember what country they're from they're they're european I feel like it's Latvia or something. Um, But they have this really good banter back and forth. And they do like these kind of quick, roughly 15 minute review videos. And they kind of, they have like categories, kind of how we do, like, who would you recommend this for? Best thing, worst thing. What would you compare it to? Which is very useful. And they kind of use like this cool whiteboard to like do reveals and kind of poke fun at each other. Um, Is it? it, Yeah, because it's on YouTube. So you can see the... And they the also reveals. have they have like really good visuals as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are just like some other board game content creators that we both um, follow and think do a really good job presenting information. I guess we should also shout out some other podcasters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, one that I could think of is Board Game Shenanigans. Yeah. Um, their stuff is like they tend to like put a lot into an episode. So like they'll do like one half of the episode is talking about a game or two. And then the back half is more of like an open discussion like this. Um, and then board game hot takes is a yeah. pretty big one. And they tend to do like 
more of like they'll have an episode that's like devoted to a certain game, but they'll also talk about like what they played that week toward the end, and they do like social media polls yep. about different questions. So it's a little bit longer as well, but like you can skip around to what oh, you're yeah. interested in. Board um, game barrage is another one that comes to mind. I don't think I've listened to them. That's maybe a, I haven't. It's a pretty lively one. Like I think they have, yeah, they have. I want to say it's either. Th- I think it's three different hosts. Okay. Yeah, what I found with some of these as well, like board game hot takes, is they actually kind of have a rotating panel of hosts. Yeah. Like, there's usually one or two of them that are always around, and then they it seems like kind of like a group of friends, and people kind of dip in and out depending on the week. Yeah. Which, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, those are that's that's a good way to get in with like content creators. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's ju- I mean it's it's a great way to get introduced to new games that like you might not come across the other thing i'll say is this probably goes more for the youtube side of things than the podcast side of things although it could be both um some of these channels and there are other channels out there that like if you've just bought a new game and like you don't like waiting through rule books yourself like without any sort of context watching just a five to 10 sometimes longer video of like <laughs> the setup basic and, setup yeah. and gameplay um is is a great way to go yeah, like it's i've good for off, visual learning it's great for visual learning and it's especially great if like you know you've invited friends over to play a game and didn't have quite as much time to delve into the rule book as you'd hope to <laughs> yes uh, i think like we've started to learn as we've gotten into more complex games that like it kind of becomes more necessary for at least someone to be up and running with the game before the session so that you don't spend as much time with like what's already going to be a long complex game like just figuring out the basics like i think that was kind of like that was the experience that we had with pax Pamir second edition and with arc nova yep and i think that like both those games are obviously so highly rated i think it might have they might have been better served for a first playthrough if we had like done a little bit more homework ahead of the schedule playing session but whatever yes. yeah we live and we learn we do we're, yeah um and we're here to you know teach you all through our own feelings <laughs> exactly <laughs> avoid avoid our mistakes and uh enjoy shared triumphs exactly um anything else for finding games yes one other thing i want to mention on finding games is this is this is a hit or miss option, I will say, because unlike some of the other options we've walked through, this one does involve more locking yourself into buying a game. But mm-hmm. the, the last thing I wanted to bring up is Kickstarter, right? Just because and GameFound, which is similar, yeah, it's like Kickstarter, but like it's game specific, but same right. model of like crowdfunding, yeah. yeah. But like these crowdfunding platforms have, you know. I've only gotten into this in the last year or two, but like mm-hmm. there's so many big games that have launched first on here and like many times you end up paying slightly better prices, you get games earlier. So mm-hmm. if you're looking at a game by a publisher or a game designer that you've already played their stuff, you know you like them. Yeah. I think yeah. a Kickstarter can make sense. The other thing is you I mean, you do sometimes get some, you know, bonus features that you're not going to get in the retail edition of a game. Yeah, I mean, we which, talked about, like, with 
when we talked yes. about Ankh, Gods of Egypt, which we is talked about, like, a some blessing and a curse. Yeah, like some publishers yeah. maybe abuse that a little bit and gimmick it up a little bit too much. Right. Um, I think for me, right. like with the crowdfunding, I have done it a couple times now. I've only actually, I've done it three times. Only one of those projects I actually have at this time. And all three of them, I will say, have been Garfield yeah. um, campaigns. Yes. And I think for me, a lot of the stuff on Kickstarter, I think a lot of it looks very flashy and is trying to draw you in because that's kind of the model. Right. And I'm a little bit like wary of that. And especially because like there's no guarantee. And also, you know, as my shelf gets more crowded, I'm like, I don't really feel like I need to commit to buying a game that, especially the way things have been, you know, with shipping issues and all of that and manufacturing issues in the past couple of years, like there's some games that crowdfunded two, three years ago and are only now being fulfilled. Like, I don't feel the need to upfront for that a lot. I think for Garfield, like they have a good track record right, of delivery do. and, you know, transparency um, yeah. with consistent quality and like none of that gimmickiness and not having to drop a ton of money to unlock all these right. unnecessary bonuses. Oh, yeah. The other thing I'll say with regard to Garfield games is a very... A, v- a very welcome personal touch to it. Like I remember I, you know, did the Kickstarter campaign for, for Wayfarers of the South Tigris. And, you know, there was one small component. I forget what it was. It was missing from the box when I got it. Yeah. And I just, you know, sent in an email and got a reply, like within a couple of hours, you know, not just from some staff member, but from, from Shem Phillips himself, the game designer. Yes. And, he put it in the mail and I had it within a week. And I also really, and this, I mean, this is like pivoting a little bit away from the crowdfunding toward more like something else I think is helpful as you get more into the hobby. I think, you know, that looking around the game store randomly, I've kind of reduced a bit. And as I found publishers like Garfield and another one is Stonemaier Games, that yeah. I trust them to like deliver games that I like. And I know that their vibe is my vibe, that there are things like, back in their projects on Kickstarter or in Stonemaier's case, the Stonemaier Championship um, that is, you know, you pay an annual fee and it gives you a permanent 20% discount on everything you buy from their store, priority shipping, um, and like access to cool newsletters and vlogs and all that, all of that, which is like a good way to kind of keep in touch and um, see what your favorite designers are doing. And also not just what they are designing and putting out, but also like, what games they like and what inspires what they're them. excited exactly. about exactly yeah. so like jamie from stonemeyer games he'll like do his blogs and be like you know i'm i'm playing arc nova which is not one of his games so he's like oh this is what i really like about it and maybe i'm gonna implement something from this game into my game or if you like one of our releases like wingspan or scythe or viticulture you might right. be interested in something else yeah right yeah yeah that's that's basically it i think for me in terms of finding games yeah, I think that that covers it on my end too. Yeah, I mean, I guess one other obvious thing is just uh, if you have friends who own games that you don't own, that's yeah, yes. that's helpful. But I think that kind of goes without saying. Yeah. So in terms of actually acquiring these games, I mean, we've kind of touched on some of this already, but yes, just like what what are some of your? I guess the way that I'm kind of thinking about it is like, what are some of your priorities or like values or things that you prioritize in terms of like your purchasing habits around board games. Yeah, I think 
I definitely love supporting, you know, local game stores like Labyrinth. So, yeah. you know, I, fr- you know, have, no have, have frequently bought games there. And I also think there's, you know, in- independent game stores online that, that will ship like that, that will ship at least nationally yeah in, in the united states within the u.s and often have often have some pretty pretty good deals like i'm thinking mm-hmm. of you know like game nerds uh miniature markets sometimes that's how i got um Ankh. yeah because i got it from silver twilight games which is in springfield missouri which yeah i have zero connection to but it's a yeah. you know it's just it's a local business and I was like kind of interested in this game, but you know that retail price of a hundred dollars for something I'd never play it played. Um, right. You know, it was a tough thing to commit to. So when they had it for like fifty five, I was like, "Well, there you go, perfect." Yeah, it's kind of a win win. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Another another online store that's pretty good is uh, the Game Steward, mm-hmm. and one thing that they specialize in for anyone who finds that they have some uh, FOMO going on, but they missed a Kickstarter campaign is they specialize in like acquiring copies of Kickstarter editions of games. Lots of stores do that. Labyrinth yeah. does that. Um, that's actually, that is pretty common for retailers that they will during the Kickstarter campaign. I don't know if they do it as part of the campaign specifically. I, I know some of the campaigns actually mm-hmm. will have a separate pledge that isn't designed for retailers yeah. where they can kind of place a, a bulk order. And yeah. they'll get a few copies in of the Kickstarter edition available at retail. Yeah. Um, which I is didn't cool. realize that Labyrinth did that too. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they do it for a lot. I mean, they probably do it for like high demand games. Yeah. But makes sense. I've seen in the store and on their website, like they'll usually have some kind of sticker or a little sign or a separate page. Yeah. Or in parentheses on the website, like this is the Kickstarter edition. Um, I imagine that a lot of those. They probably sell pretty fast once they are yes. in stock because people are on the lookout, but it exists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I think I, for like, this is a kind of just a personal thing for me in terms of hobbies. And when it comes to two things in particular for me, books and board games, I kind of have a funnel a filter of like how I like to buy things. Yeah. Could you talk Um, a little more about that? Yeah. So this, it's mostly, it kind of comes from my feelings about Amazon (laughs) above everything else. So I use Amazon. However, I try to use Amazon as much as possible for things that I wouldn't otherwise be buying at a local business that I feel adds like real community value to my community you know so like a good example is like i will buy body wash on amazon sometimes like get a six pack of body wash or deodorant or something because like if i wasn't buying it at amazon i'd be buying it at cvs and at that point you know you're trading one big mega corporation for the next yeah when it comes to books and games though those are kind of like my little things that i've chosen as wherever possible i will try to support first and foremost, a small local business. So in terms of games here in um, DC, that's Labyrinth. Um, Sometimes, I mean, the benefit of that, we talked about the benefits. Like, you want to keep these places around. They're fun to go to. You love browsing. The staff are great. 
the sense of community like you meet cool people yeah you go to the board game nights they do great things for the community like labyrinth does events for you know students and teachers and wingspan wednesdays with the audubon society that's all great and it would be a real loss not to have that um the only downside is that sometimes when you are paying straight up retail price it can be a little bit more expensive than some of the online options yes and i know it's that but like that's that's a really tough position to be in for these small businesses so still you know what if it's a five or ten dollar difference for me at the end of the day like I'm fine with that because the trade-off is you get the game instantly. You don't have to wait for it to ship yeah. and you're not running the risk of it arriving and the box Dented. is dinged up and then you have to return it or you're disappointed. Um, so, you know, it's a trade-off. Yeah. I think the issue though, and I mean, this happens with books in terms of, you know, what they have in stock and the right editions and also with games is that these smaller businesses, they have limited shelf space. You know, there are only certain things that they can sell. Sometimes what they tend to focus on is the games that obviously sell really well. Like, I don't think they're ever going to stop selling Scythe and Wingspan at Labyrinth. Um, and they tend to have a lot of the newer releases. But sometimes what they might lack is games that you're interested in that came out a few years ago. Yeah. That are no longer, like, going to be really selling a ton because people who are interested already got it. Yeah, or they may not really stock a ton of expansions because they're right. harder to sell because you have to have someone buy the base game and then the expansion. It takes up a ton of shelf space. Right. Um. So what I've done at Labyrinth is what they'll do is as best they can. You can place an order for something they don't have in stock and they will order it from their distributor for you. That's how I got um, Raiders of the North Sea and Architects of the West Kingdom with the expansions. They did a special order for me and it did took a few weeks but i was still able to do it yeah um but then if it's not possible my my go-to then is to kind of go down that that funnel a little bit into supporting other game specific online retailers so like some of those stores we've mentioned miniature market game nerds you know exactly that and those are great places because you know they're still they're not like amazon target level of big businesses they're still like very much focused on this hobby um and but sometimes i don't know how they'll just have amazing deals oh yeah um and i I don't understand like i don't know how they do it either (laughs) i mean especially game nerds yeah so one one thing that i came i came across this on reddit i think they uh they do a daily deal miniature market has started doing it too right where You know, they have limited quantity available of a game, but you can often get games on there for 50% off. Uh, sometimes more. Sometimes I mean, more. The trade-off is yeah. sometimes that daily deal, it's not a very good game or it's some random but expansion or something. sometimes it is a really but, good game. Yeah, but if you check yeah. maybe once a week or once every two weeks, you'll find something really good. Yeah. And then it'll sell out. Like, they're a bit... So, I think we discussed this one day, Sleeping Gods was yes. their daily deal and it was substantially discounted oh yeah and it was, I, think we I think both, it was down to like 50 or 60 yeah we both considered getting it but ultimately i think we both decided not to because campaign games aren't really our thing and so you know it was still a high enough price and you know just trying to be a little bit having a little bit more discretion with what you get but you never know what you'll find especially yeah. if it's something that was already on your radar another one they had this was probably a little over a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago. Uh, was Furnace for like twenty bucks? Yes, I remember seeing that. Yeah, that is, again, like 
a game that I'd like to try first, I think, before I buy it, even at a discounted price. That's fair. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, beyond that, if I absolutely cannot find something because it's out of stock or, like, whatever, then, you know, Amazon. But it's kind of like a last resort. And then, obviously, you know, as we talked about already, um, secondhand sales. Yeah. Well, and you've also had some luck uh, on eBay, right? Um, yes, more, more, so, more so selling. But the fact that people buy the game, every game that I have listed on eBay has sold within weeks. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I think I've bought on eBay were the Kickstarter um, exclusives for Ankh. Yeah, I've bought a few things on eBay. But I've sold a pretty diverse set of games over time on eBay. I sold um, Call to Adventure. I sold Legends of Andor. Um, What else? Gloom. Um, Did you sell... Monster Expedition. Did you also sell Aquatica? That's the one I was thinking of. And actually also on Board Game Geek, you can do trades. So actually I didn't sell Legends of Andor on eBay... I made a trade with someone, and I traded Legends of Andor and Ink and Gold, which are both very respectable games. They're just not for me. And in return, I got Ticket to Ride, which I didn't own at that point. And I don't remember the other one, but it was yeah. something that I was happy with. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, well, and like... Because there's so many different kinds of games out there and, like, so many, you know, types of fans of board games, like, yeah, one, one, person's, one person's um, dusty game on to the shelf that they're not playing <laughs> is another person's treasure yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think I looked it up and in terms of, like, the retail value of those two games, I, we did, like, that two-for-two two trade, and I think I ended up trading what was worth, like, $5 more. But nah. in terms of what which ones I enjoyed more, I felt like it was an absolute win. So you oh, never yeah. know what you'll find. Yeah. Um. So I'm all for, like... And all you need to do that is create a Board Game Geek account and just add things that you're interested in trading from your collection to your, like, two-trade list and add games you want in your want-in-trade list and you can look up matches with people and then just submit um, like requests and see if they accept it or not. Sometimes they won't, and sometimes they will. And then you just ship it like you would with eBay, basically? Yeah, basically. Yeah, um, yeah you just like I just get a box and go down to the post office and ship it. Boom. Pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else? Well, I was going to say, does anything else... Nothing else comes to mind for me in terms of where to buy games Mm -hmm. but one thing i thought might be worth touching on here a bit at the end is you talked some about board game geek and i haven't really used that to buy games occasionally to find new games based on their like you know lists of like rankings rankings and all of that but the thing that i the function i think board game geek is really helpful for is like sussing out and learning more about a new game that you have heard about somewhere else and a lot of the time because it is such a big source in the community if you look on the forums often you will find um comments and answers to questions from the designers or the publishers themselves so it can be very useful or if a game has been out for a while um you will 
you'll see like people who really love that game or have played it a lot will respond to you. So a couple of weeks ago, just for fun, I decided to ask a question in the Viticulture yeah. um, forum. And I was like, okay, I'm a Stonemaier champion. Love Stonemaier games. I love worker placement games. But I own Architects of the West Kingdom, Everdell, Lost Ruins of Arnak. Is it worth getting this game? And I really wasn't like super committed to getting it. And I haven't. And I probably won't. But it was just what answer it was did you get I got to that? like a good variety of answers and ultimately it led me to where I felt like I was feeling anyway where like great game I'm sure it's amazing I would love to play it but I think just as someone who's trying to keep my collection fairly tight you know I'm probably good with the ones I have yeah. like would it be an appropriate substitute for one of those yes are there definitely people out there who um are super happy to have all of the above yes in the same way that I have you know, Everdell and Lost Ruins of Arnak. Yeah. And or that's... some people will have Lost Ruins of Arnak and Dune Imperium. You know, it's just a, ma- it's a matter of what you want. And it's right. just good, like, being able to get that data from real people and see how they feel about it. Well, and real people that, like, don't really have a dog in their race because yeah, they're not... trying to sell you anything. They're not trying to sell you anything, yeah. exactly. All they're trying to prove is how much they love or hate the right. product. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, I mean, that's not to say, like, a game like Viticulture... You wouldn't want to play it like if if we oh, came I definitely ac- do. yeah like if we came across it at like a labyrinth game night yeah that'd be a good one to try out a good one to try out or like if you found it or something or I know yeah. one of my friends who no longer lives in DC got it so if I ever went to visit him I'd be like cool let's bring out Viticulture I'd love to try it yeah. awesome yeah. yeah tabletop wine country indeed cool well I think that's, that's all I really have yeah that's all you? I've got too yeah well honestly. I enjoy doing this. I feel like this is one of the most relaxed, no homework episodes we've done. It's just been very off the cuff and it's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. And hope that, you know, for you listeners, it's useful. Like, yeah. whether it's like confirmation of things you have already been doing or maybe picking up a, a new tip here and there. Yeah, but, or uh, checking out like one of the other um, podcasts or YouTube channels we mentioned. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But... Yeah, it's always fun to uh, like just talk about the ins and outs of the hobby and like hopefully get more people interested in yeah. it and invest. And one thing in I'll it. say is just in the past week or so, something that I just want to flag because I've been very excited about it is like we started getting some really nice feedback and interest and in like yeah. opening up dialogue from some people on social media who have been enjoying what we have to say and like want to get involved and yeah that's really awesome and we are actively discussing ways to try and like bring other people in maybe as guests so yeah we we, we love that and if you if anyone out there is listening is you know interested telling us what you think about the games we review or you know some of the tips we have or is there anything we miss yes. that you know we'd love to you know have conversations about this stuff yes and so with that, we will be back next week. Yeah. We are reliable. We'll keep it going. And we'll probably do a review next week. Yeah, next week yes. will probably be a review episode. I, I but... think, just to drop a hint, it won't be animal-themed. I think, but it might be a personal favorite and maybe something that we mentioned in this episode. Yes, it may have made a cameo. <laughs> yes. We talked about a lot of games in this episode, though. We so. did. So not a dead giveaway yet. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note. 
Have a good week, everyone, and we will see you in the next episode. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.